Welcome back to the Get Fit podcast series. I'm your host, Andy Gallardo, and today we are talking to Dr. Alex Eller about life as a physician resident. Dr. Eller is a graduate of Point Loma Nazarene University in San Diego and Loma Linda University Medical School. After completing his residency at Kaiser Permanente, he is now a practicing physician in North County, San Diego. When he's not out surfing or getting some fresh air, he's researching ways to keep himself and his patients healthy. I was really amazed to learn from Dr. Eller just how much one must go through both emotionally and physically in order to become a physician. You will gain a better sense of appreciation and hopefully respect for our medical community. We are excited to talk to Dr. Eller. With that, a couple of quick disclaimers. This information is not intended to replace your healthcare professional. Opinions of hosts and guests do not represent the views or opinions of Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, KFHP, Kaiser Foundation Hospitals, KFH, or Southern California Permanente Medical Group, SCPMG. Neither KFHP, KFH, or SCPMG receive any compensation for products or services mentioned on the show, nor do they endorse or promote any products mentioned. The full disclaimer can be found on our website. With that, enjoy the show. All right, Dr. Eller, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it took, to uh, took a while to get this together, but um, um, caught you on your day off here, so thanks for joining us. Better late than never. Yeah. So this is how we typically start our show. Um, you know, we just give the audience a little chance to get to know you. So I, my first question is kind of simple. Just, you know, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? Um, you have a big family. How'd you get out to California? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I am a Cal- Southern California native. Um, I grew up in Glendale, just kind of right, so- right outside of L.A., um, and I've been pretty fortunate enough to not have to leave California. So, um, but uh, my my family, um, I have one older older brother. My my dad is in healthcare. He's not a doctor. He did administrative stuff. But I had a lot of other family members that were in medicine. My grandfather was an anesthesiologist. An uncle, uh, some some aunts, and who are in nursing and things like that. But so I've kind of always been around people who are in medicine, and that probably kind of stimulated why I wanted to go into medicine. But um, other, you know, kind of other things. Uh, I really enjoy being active, running and surfing, and being outdoors. And you know, Southern California is a great place for for that. But uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So at some point during that time, was it in either in high school or in college that you decided that you wanted to go the kind of the medical school route and become a physician? Yeah, I think my, I, I think I've always, I always wanted to do it. Even from when, when I was little, I said I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and, you know, I, I think my, one of my first memories is my, my grandfather did a lot of uh, mission work. He went to Thailand and, um, you know, spent years, you know, doing medicine there. And when we were really young, um, he would bring out this old slide machine and this big kind of screen and, uh, put slides in and show us pictures of him doing work in Thailand and stuff. Um, which is so funny to look back, you know, that I'm old enough that I watched a slideshow, but, uh, (laughs) So, but I mean, ever since then, I was always like, you know, oh man, I, I think I want to, I want to do that. I want to be like him. And, um, I was actually, I actually spent a year abroad, um, in college, um, teaching in a little island in the middle of the Pacific in Micronesia, an island called Ponape. 
And I think that's where it really cemented for me that, you know, I wanted to be able to um, learn those types of skills to help people in a medical way. Um, you know, just seeing kind of their public health issues and um, the, the kind of lack of healthcare system really kind of motivated me to, to want to learn those skills and, and be able to help people like that. Um, so that's kind of where it, I think cemented. And then from there, you know, I always, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go, go into medicine. Well, wow, it's great. What a great experience on the island. And um, I just have to tell you, I started chuckling because you, you mentioned the slideshow and I know probably 90% of the people listening have no idea yeah. what that is, but it's right. like, it's one of those circular things, right? And you click it and yeah, it goes, exactly. yeah. and then the slide, slide drops down. Like right. my parents yeah. did that. So. Yeah, it's cool. And I'm not even old, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty old. So I'm, I'm glad to hear somebody younger than me knows what that is. Yeah. Um, so cool. So, you know, you're, you're Southern California native. Uh, did you stay out here for medical school? Yeah. So, um, I went after I came back from um, that year abroad. I finished my undergrad at, at Point Loma University down in San Diego, right? Uh, which is a beautiful, you know, campus. And um, I majored in kinesiology, and uh, which was a little bit different than a lot of my bio and biochem friends. But then I went to medical school at Loma Linda University, you know, out there in the Inland Empire, and right. Um, Great experience. I really, I really enjoyed that school. Um, I think they do a great job in putting emphasis on wellness, and you know their mission statement is to make man whole. And I, you know, I think a lot of that starts with you being whole, and, and it, you know, being able to treat patients. You know, kind of starts with taking care of yourself. And so, I mean, that was a great experience, and I think kind of really ignited my, you know, uh, passion about not just. Um, medicine but but making sure that you're taking care of yourself outside of medicine and, and bringing that back into you know into your work um so uh but yeah uh, that was a really good experience for me and i'm glad that i was able to go there so yeah you know loma linda does have a great reputation for um for wellness did they give you a lot of opportunities to study like exercise and nutrition and um, was it more about you as a student or was it about what you can do with patients someday? Yeah, I think, I think there's a combination. I, you know, unfortunately, I think that there's a huge lack in nutrition education in right. medical school. And that's something that, you know, hopefully it will, you know, continually be addressed. And, and because it's, it's so important, like, you know, patients ask us, you know, what's the best diet? And we, we don't get training on that. We have no idea. Right. Uh, and, but I, you know, I think the focus there was, was a combination. It was, you know, you need to be able to, um, they, there are lots of resources about ways that you can get help, like counseling, whether it be academic or, you know, for depression, anxiety, whatever it was. Um, and then also kind of making sure that you knew that in order to fully care for patients, it's not just knowing the diagnosis, not just knowing the treatment, but that there was this, you know, the whole person care that, that, you know, there's this social aspect, there's this, you know, spiritual aspect that makes us who we are and that we need to be aware of that in ourselves before we can, you know, treat that in, in our patients. No, that's great that you had that, that background. And I know, you know, right now, one of the struggles is the social aspect, you know, telling, yeah. 
you can't tell someone to exercise in, but they live in a bad neighborhood and it's not safe, right. you know, and they can't go out and walk. So there's so many, you know, detriments to that. But, um, so th that's great that you had that background and I'm sure it kind of, uh, played a role in your, you know, with your upbringing and exercise and surfing and everything that was like, sounds like it was a yeah. really good fit for you. So what, what happens after medical school? I mean, you get, uh, you go into residency and you, you get matched, right? Is that the, mm -hmm. the process? Yeah. So there's this really stressful, um, right. time. uh, you know, it, it starts around, I, I, you know, around your third year and, and you, you kind of got to figure out what, what you want to go into. And then, you know, you go on interviews in your fourth year and then, you rank the school or the uh, residency programs that you want to go to and they rank you and, um, and then they put it in that algorithm and then it spits out, you know, where you're going to spend the next three, four five years of your life. So, um, that's a little bit nerve wracking. Oh, I can but, imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it's really, you know, I feel, I really feel for the folks who went through match this year with COVID because it's typically, it's like a, a huge celebration. You know, when, when I went through it, your whole class is together in a, you know, um, in, in, in the same room, they call people up, they give out the, the letters of where you're going to go, you know, your family's there and, and you, you're able to celebrate with your, your, your friends and your family. And it's such a culmination of all of this hard, you know, just really hard work, um, about, you know, where you're going to train for, you're going to further your training to be, a, to be a physician. So, um, and you know, gosh, they had to do it virtually and that, that must've been really tough, but, um, yeah, the match was a, it's, a, it's an exciting thing and it's a great, you know, kind of uh, celebration about all your, all your hard work. Oh, that, yeah, I can, I just can't even imagine the, so many things have been taken away by the pandemic, all these little celebrations that seem small, but they're big moments in your life. Right. Um, so tell us a little bit where you're at now and what's the experience been like and, um, you know, what's, what's kind of a typical day as a resident? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just graduated. Um, I just finished our, I went to, um, the family, family medicine residency through Kaiser in Orange County. Um, and I just finished in June and, and now I've started, um, as an, you know, as a big attending in, uh, in San Diego with, with, uh, permanent Kaiser as well. Um, but you know, the, the whole, the whole journey through residency, it's definitely, you know, a marathon. I think there's tons of tons and tons of rewarding experiences that I took away from it. So much learning and, um, you know, mistakes and, unfortunate things, but things that made me a better person and, and maybe a better doctor. Um, definitely not always the, the easiest thing, but, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I really thought that, um, it's that you finally kind of get that, um, autonomy to kind of learn on your own, to, to practice, to, to figure out the way that you're going to practice, but also, you know, you're able, you're, you're guided through, um, your mentors and your teachers and things like that. So, um, it's, 
it's uh if your first year it definitely feels high higher stakes compared to medical school because you know you you have the md or the do behind your name um but it's just a, a really great experience and um you know i i think that there are so much struggles through residency and there are there is so much burnout um and i think that that's something that i've seen and that i've experienced and that i'm passionate about helping people kind of find ways to learn from those experiences in order to you know make sure that that doesn't happen in the future right to to continue to to practice wellness and to figure out things that really burn you out and uh you know kind of brainstorm on ways to you know prevent that from happening and and to be you know uh more energetic and and in your practice and and i think that reflects you know on on your patient care too and they they are able to see like oh you know this this person really cares for me and again that starts from you know caring for yourself well first of all i i want to say congratulations uh making yeah. it through residency second of all I'm super thankful that you're still with Kaiser Permanente and, and Permanente yeah. Medicine and I look forward to connecting with you while you're down in San Diego. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, kind of the the stress and the burnout. Um, you know, what are what are some of the things that kind of helped you get through those times that we could share with, you know, future residents that may be headed into to some of the burnout and stressful situations? Yeah. Yeah, I think... I think wellness or, or, you know, kind of being balanced is hard to define. Um, you know, we, we, we all kind of want that balance. We all want to succeed. Uh, we don't want our whole identity to be wrapped up in one thing, uh, like just being a doctor or anything. Cause we're so much more than that. Right. right. And I don't think there's a right way to be well. And, and it's going to look a little bit different for everybody. Um, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, um, you know, I think, as millennials or, you know, probably everybody kind of going through this, we, we've gotten pounded with this uh, work-life balance statement. Right. It's just this buzzword that you hear everywhere. Right. And a lot of times it's kind of like nebulous. Where you don't really know what it is, you know. Um, and we feel, I, I, I know I do sometimes feel like this, this pressure to have this perfect work-life balance that um, that there's a like a formula that, that you have to, you know, that that's there to attain this. Um, but you know, it, it seems to me like that, that separates too much in our lives. Like we have work and then we have life and that they're not, you know, the same thing. And so for years I've kind of thought, well, you know, I just have to make it through work, you know, to get out and to be balanced. You know, it made me kind of dread going to work. Like work is the enemy. Um, I can't be whole at work, you know, and there's this total separation of, uh, you know, there's work and then there's, there's life. Right. Um, and you know, sure. You know, we, we do need those things kind of outside to recharge us. Um, uh, and you know, to, to have those things that we enjoy, you know, spending time with our family and friends. But, um, you know, I was talking with one of my friends who, who just finished a, a emergency medicine residency and we were talking about, you know, that this mindset just doesn't work and it feels like it's 
almost adding to kind of this burnout. And so is there a way that we can actually like shift our mindset to be more present at work, to, to take pride in our work and to understand that working is a part of our lives and we just need to accept that. And it can be really rewarding. And, you know, since I started doing that, I felt like, you know, I'm not dreading going to work as much. I'm not, you know, worried about it. I'm able to, you know, you know, kind of take more pride in my work and I'm not just rushing to get through the day to, to get out and to go surf and, and then I'll be, you know, this, right. this what person about. So, you know, like for example, like, you know, if I, if I stay, you know, 30 more minutes to, um, you know, review a chart or, or to, to look back at past patient encounters or, or to spend an extra 10 minutes with that patient, just kind of whatever it is, you know, I'm probably going to leave that day feeling more fulfilled um, feeling more pride in that work. And that's going to bleed over into my time outside. And, you know, I'm probably going to spend less time worrying about, oh man, maybe I should have just spent a little extra time with that patient or whatever. And that, I think that's really going to kind of contribute to, to being, you know, more balanced. So, um, that's, that's a big thing that's, you know, that's, I've, that I've been thinking about as far as wellness for me, that sure, you know, we need to have balance in our lives. We need to not just spend, all our time doing one thing and, and we need to do things that recharge us, but we also need to, you know, kind of get away from this idea that there's work, which is bad. And then there's life, which is good. And that's the only thing that's going to be able to get us through work. So. No, I, I think that's just fantastic advice. And, um, you know, we had this great, uh, leader at Kaiser Permanente. Her name was Patty Harvey. And she used to say, you know, there's no such thing as work-life balance. There's just life. And then there's all the things you do in your life. And to your yeah. point, like, and it's kind of the same way people feel about exercise. Like, oh, I got to go to the gym. It's this big, dreadful, you know, back when we could go to a gym, but it was this yeah. big, dreadful thing. And of course, you're never going to, you're never going to enjoy it or do it yeah. consistently if it's this dreadful thing. So I love that advice to just make the most of work. And I think, you know, for residents, you think one of the, the beautiful things is you're still learning. So it's like that, that's like, it's like college. Your only job is to learn. And so be grateful for that and know that it's going to prepare you. So I love that. And I think, you know, I forget the statistic, but we, don't we spend like 80% of our life at work or something? There's some high yeah. number like that. So why not enjoy it and make the most yeah. of it? Um, so that's, that's really, um, really some keen insight on your part. Um, you know, as a resident and and even now as a, as a young physician, are you able to, you know, find the time to, to eat right and to, to exercise? Um, and you know, how important is it to, you know, just talk about getting through your day. You know, I know personally, like if I don't get up in the morning and, and walk my dog or do some cardio, my day is kind of shot for me and that's just me personally. Do you have those kinds yeah. of things you try to do every day to, to get through your work? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of the same way I, you know, and I mean, if you talk to my wife, she'll probably say that maybe I need to tone it down <laughs> with certain things, but you know, I, I run or surf or sometimes both, uh, every day before I, before I go into work. And so, um, you know, that's usually getting up, and, you know, exercise is so important, like, and, and, you know, not just anecdotally, but there's tons of evidence as far as 
you know, how it improves executive function. There's studies on this, how it improves your attention and your memory. Um, there's this, there was this study um, a couple of years ago about uh, college students who uh, they had them fill out this kind of um, questionnaire about how much exercise they, they did. And, you know, the, the folks who did more aerobic exercise on, on average had a much higher GPA than, than other folks. And, you know, obviously there's lots of confounding factors that probably goes into that stuff. But, um, you know, just, just to say that, that I feel like carving out time to, to do that is, is so important. And it's not, you know, it's not just for like our ability to, you know, memorize stuff or, 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 you know, improve our, you know, uh, function or brain function or whatever, but the, the, the fact that it has such implications with our mental health too, um, because, you know, going through things like medical school, like, especially medical school, like my first year of medical school, I was, I was depressed, like, you know, no, no two ways about it. Um, and, and I, I wasn't doing a lot of exercise and stuff like that. And so that's something that, looking back and learning from what I went through and knowing that for me, you know, that's so important is, is why I kind of have made it a, such a part of my life. And again, there's lots of evidence about, you know, exercise and mental health. Um, so there's a, there's a big Lancet study in 2018 that, you know, kind of looked at, at the effect of exercise on mental health. And they looked at like over a million people over a three year period. And, um, they matched it really well with, um, you know, for race and gender and socioeconomic status and, you know, really clear evidence that folks who had this aerobic exercise had less days of feeling down and depressed than, you know, other people. And so, you know, when we're conscious of those types of things in our own lives, it, it really, again, kind of translates to, um, our ability to counsel patients and, and things like that, um, because as a primary care physician, with every complaint comes in attached some sort of anxiety or, or you know, mental health issue, you know, really common. So, you know, being, being aware of those things and be able to counsel patients on, on non-pharmacologic ways that you can kind of improve this thing, I think is really, really important. And then, you know, diet obviously, you know, is just as, or if not more important than exercise. And um, I think that it does take a little bit more time to, to eat right, right? You know, it takes, you got to go to the grocery store more often to get those fresh fruits and vegetables. Right. Um, but, and, you know, kind of like we, we talked about earlier, it's unfortunate that there's not a ton of nutritional education in, in medical training. Um, and so that's something that I've kind of felt like I need to, you know, take upon myself to learn about, um, and, you know, Loma Linda had a lot of that too. And I think probably going forward, medical schools, medical schools are going to, you know, inject more of that into their curriculum. But, um, you know, knowing that whatever we put in our bodies is, is going to affect the way that we're functioning for the rest of the day, you know, you don't need a, you don't need an MD to, to understand that. Um, but, you know, there are lots of resources out there. And, and again, this is something that you know, translates into talking with our patients about. So, um, there's this website, nutritionfacts.org that is like phenomenal, has videos, really easy to understand. Um, lots of documentaries that you can watch, you know, forks over knives, game changers, things like that on Netflix. There's a book that I, I just finished reading called the China study by Dr. Colin, oh, Campbell, yeah. uh, 
which, you know, is kind of like a groundbreaking and really summative uh, report of, as far as a like plant-based diet on cancer and, and our health and things like that. So, um, but, you know, kind of overall, these things are super, they're integral into our lives. And if we can, you know, carve out some time to, to do that for ourselves, um, you know, it's going to help us understand it better and be able to counsel our patients better. No, I think that that's great. And it's, it's amazing that you were able to get that background, you know, in medical school and then um, through your own personal research, because I, I really feel for physicians these days, you know, there's so much out there and, you know, you mentioned that there's really not a lot of uh, nutrition education in medical school. So, you know, how's a, how's a physician supposed to answer, you know, about paleo and keto and low carb and slow carb and, this and that, yeah. and there's just so many things out there. And to your point, you know, eating well requires some effort. You are going to have to go to the store a little more often. You are going to have to be kind of a, you know, a picky customer at restaurants and, and different things. But, um, but the flip side is, you know, all the anxiety you're seeing, all the, the mental problems, a lot of that, you know, can be helped, won't be cured with nutrition, but can definitely be helped um, with yeah. nutrition. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah, so that, I mean, so that kind of leads us into our next little topic, you know, at, at Kaiser Permanente, um, we recently started a, a medical school, the Bernard J. Tyson Medical School, wow. and we are trying to, to yeah, I know, school. so these poor kids come in in July in the middle of a, of a pandemic, but um, I think the good news is, you know, there's, there's a teaching kitchen, there's an emphasis on wellness. And we're going to try to do some of that, you know, nutrition awareness that you mentioned, um, yeah. you know, and I'm guessing you would agree that that's just really important right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you just Google, you know, Kaiser Medical School and you can go to the website, you know, within seconds, you're you're able to find that there's a, a that part of their core mission is for student well-being. Um, which is fantastic, right? Um, because, you know, the, the first year of medical school is crazy. Like, it's, it's really hard. You're, you're coming from, you know, being the, one of the smartest people at whatever university you're at um, and getting good grades and all this stuff, and then all of a sudden you're dropped into this class that is also the smartest of their university. And so, like, for me, you know, I really struggled academically my first year. Um, and I kind of made that mistake of thinking I'm the only person in this going through class this. Yeah. having a hard time. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, looking back was, is laughable because, you know, we all had our, our struggles and things like that. And so when you have that feeling of you're the only person, then you know, you can start having this feeling of being an imposter and, and you're not, you, you don't really belong there and you're a fraud and you kind of live in this cycle of having anxiety about people finding out that you didn't do so great on that test, that you don't really know what this medication does or, you know, whatever it is. And it just is, becomes this cycle that, you know, you start having this negative self-talk and you feel awful and, you know, that's, that's what I was going through. And it's, you know, it's, it, I, I wish I could say it goes away, but uh, I think you learn from those experiences and you learn ways to help cope with that. But it's something that, 
you know, consistently happens. And I mean, if you just Google, you know, imposter syndrome in medical school, you get like a thousand hits uh, on the, all this stuff. And so, you know, actually the other day I was curious about this. So I looked up and there's a JAMA article like from, uh, you know, a couple months ago that was talking about imposter sy- syndrome. And it was a really timely article because it was talking about how, um, you know, in medical education, you know, it can be hard for, for minorities, for, for people of, of color, from, you know, uh, whatever background they come from. And, and then they come into medical school and they have these issues that we all go through. But then on top of that, they they have nobody that maybe looks like them, thinks the way like they think in the leadership or mentorship. And that makes things even worse. And so, um, you know, I was really pleased to see on the the uh, Kaiser Medical School, the, the website that, you know, I wrote it down here, it quotes, um, you know, uh, our commitment, it starts with our commitment to equity, inclusion, and diversity in, in their student well-being section. And so, you know, having that that diversity is so valuable in, in our education because we need that diversity. You know, it's something to be celebrated. We need physicians from kind of all this race and gender and sexual preference and whatever it is because, you know, they're able to reach people that, you know, they can reach better than anybody else. And so, um, you know, it, it's, it just kind of goes to show that, that having that emphasis for, for wellness and, and student well-being is, is going to be really important that the students who are going there right now are really fortunate to have that there's not this old school thought of, well, you know, just, you know, bear down and, and get through it, but that it's okay to ask for help and, and to kind of get through it. So, yeah, you know, I don't I don't think the general public fully understands the lengths that their providers go through to become a provider. You know, sure. the fact that you had a a whole year of, you know, being depressed and like the the people that are growing up with hopes and dreams of helping others are going through a period that they need help to get to that time where they can help others. And I think right. it's you know, to your point, um, I think it's just a lot harder than than people realize. And, um, you know, I think that was one of the hopes with the future medical schools is can we lessen this pressure and this stress on these young men and women going into yeah. medicine? And, you know, I think the other thing you brought up is really important is, um, <clears throat> you know, because we can talk about diet and exercise and, and nutrition and all that. And, um, but there's, you know, there's, there's cultural things related to that. You know, there's people that have grown up in certain races and religions with certain diets that you can't just tell them to change. You know what I mean? Because sure. it's, it's part of their, their culture and, and not everybody can step outside their house and go for a run. You know, they live in congested areas and different things. And so I think that's exciting part of, of what medical students are learning now is how to address some of those issues. You got to be able to meet people where they're at. You know, and and you got to be able to listen and um, you know just kind of be be present with with those people and, and brainstorm with them. You know, a lot of times I'll be in the exam room and we'll be talking. Like I don't know, I've never come across a situation. Let's work on it together. You know, I would bring up Google and say, "Where do you live? What's your address? Let's let's find a park that's safe for you to go to." Um, you know, stuff like that. You know, a lot of this isn't necessarily medicine, but it takes the ability to, um, kind of connect with people 
And that starts with, again, you know, trying to, you know, be comfortable with who you are and, and, and being present with people. That's a great approach. And I can, I mean, I can tell you're going to be a really good doctor because, you know, t- too many patients want doctors to fix everything. And I love that sure. you said, you know, let's work on this together. Let's, you know, let's brainstorm, let's come up with a creative solution. And, um, you know, I think that's the key to success. It's not always going to be perfect, you know, in, in a perfect world, we would all join a gym and have a masseuse and life would be great. Right. But we, ha- you yeah. know, we have barriers and challenges. And the, the, other, uh, the other thing too, like, um, just to kind of go back on this, why I think it's so valuable for, for the school to have an emphasis on wellness. So if you look at the ACGME, which is like the accrediting body for um, graduate medical education. So for like residency, there's, there's six core competencies um, that they need to, you know, kind of meet throughout residency. And three of those are like non-medical things, which kind of, you know, blows my mind. Um, so one of them is patient care, which obviously, you know, you have to know the, the diagnosis and the treatment and stuff like that. But in there, there's, there's things like being compassionate, like, you know, being able to connect with patients. And then the other, two of the other ones are interpersonal communication and professionalism. And so these are things that come from being, you know, kind of, well, you're, you're not going to be a great communicator if you're super stressed and you're, you know, you know, you're, you're burnt out, right? right? You're going to kind of let those things kind of go. So in, our learning and in, in, in medical education and in residency, you know, taking time to reflect on experiences that you've had, um, whether that's like on your drive home, whether that's in the morning, taking time to, to do some meditation or mindfulness, or whether it's while you're out, you know, surfing or running, um, to reflect on those experiences that you had the day before that day about thinking, you know, how did that, how did that interaction with the patient go, you know? Was I really looking at the problem from their perspective? Was I just trying to, you know, give them what they wanted instead of not maybe addressing the the real underlying issue? And learning how to have that reflective outlook can really go to improve your interpersonal communication skills and your professionalism. And so, you know, that is all kind of part of being well and, and that ability to reflect is something that's super important. That's something that I've, you know, learned to, to use and um, to, to guide me through kind of getting through these six core competencies. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I, I kind of had to smile a little bit when you said that, because I, I specifically remember an incident once where I was at the dentist and my dentist was like super stressed and aggravated. And I'm like, maybe I should come back another time. You know what I mean? Like you don't want that person treating you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, patients are dumb, right? They're going to pick up on when you're, you know, distracted or, or things like that. Yeah. So, um, no, that's great. And, you know, and I also love the fact that you mentioned just being kind of humble and telling your patient, you know, Hey, I haven't come across this situation before. Let's figure yeah. it out. You know, I think there's an intense pressure on physicians to know everything. Um, sure. You know, especially a, a young physician out of residency, um, being, yeah. being humble like that just uh, says so much about your approach. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, that that's like one of the hardest things about going through medical school and residency is just saying, you know what, I, I don't know. I don't know this one. I, I need to ask for help because, yeah, there's that pressure that, you know, we're super smart and we know everything, but 
you know, that's, that's dangerous. Right. And that's also what kind of, um, can lead to worsening of impossible feeling like an imposter yeah. Yeah. because then you're just all, all the time. Like, yeah, I know everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No problem. Yes. We'll do this when, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's not easy to ask for help. It's harder, but it's a show of strength. And, um, you know, overall, it kind of makes you a better person because you're going to learn from those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky. I remember once I had this weird thing happen to me where my feet got like bright red and kind of like swollen. And I remember the doctor going, hmm, never seen that before. And I was like, what? You know, but I I appreciated the fact that he was honest, you know, and and he kind of calmed me down saying, look, I think you're going to be okay. Um, You know, let's let's treat it with some you know, anti-inflammatory, see if it'll go away. But I, I do remember that initial reaction, like, what? You're a doctor. You're supposed to know this, you yeah. know? Yeah, I think, I mean, you'll have those experiences where for whatever reason, you know, you just, that day you can't accept that you don't know an answer. And so you'll try to, you know, kind of get through. I remember uh, my third year of medical school, I was probably like one of my first rotations. I was in with a patient with diabetes and I was going through their medication list and I said, are you on metformin? Yes. Are you on glipizide? Yes. Are you taking your insulin? Yes. And then I said, are you using, are you using your, are you taking your lancets? The lancets are like the needle that you use to inject the insulin. And I thought it was a medication that I just didn't know what it was. And I was like, and they're like, what are you talking about? you mean Lasix? And I was like, no, your lancets, are you taking your lancets? And they were like, no, that's the needle that you use. And I was like, no, this is a medication. Uh, but you know, okay, so let's just go to the next one. Right. They obviously knew that I didn't know what I was yeah. talking about, but in that moment I couldn't accept that I just, I made a mistake. Right. <laughs> it was like small things like that. And obviously when it becomes a bigger issue, right, you, you need to be able to have that experience that says, you know, I don't know this and this is important and I need to ask for help. But um, So we'll all go through things like that. Um, but uh, learning from them is, is the, the key. Yeah. So, you know, getting back to residency real quick, um, as a resident, are you kind of on your own? Are you able to kind of rely on each other and support one another, you know, with the other residents in your, your program? Yeah, you know, it, I mean, obviously your your first year, there's a lot more supervision um, from your attendings and things like that. And there's supervision all, all throughout. Um, but as you kind of progress into your you know, second and third year, um, and, you know, this is from my experience in family medicine residency, um, you know, it becomes a little bit less and you're able to, you know, kind of practice a little bit more uh, autonomy and things like that. But yeah, the, 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 kind of camaraderie of your fellow residents because they've all been through that with you and they understand what you're going through better than anybody else does. Um, you know, having them around to bounce things off of them and um, talk with them is, is super comforting and important and, um, you know, there's an invaluable resource. How have, um, how do you think with being that we're in the middle of a pandemic with COVID and everything, how do you maintain that collegiality, you know, and that mm-hmm. connectiveness? Do you have to do it virtually or talk on the phone or are you still able to see people in person where you work? Yeah, I think, you know, initially, um, cause I was in the hospital working, uh, when all of this started like in March and things like that. And then, um, I was more on the outpatient side and, 
later in the year, like April, May. And, you know, you didn't see a lot of people because um, you were doing stuff more virtually, video visits and telephone visits and things like that. And I think there definitely was a an aspect that of that kind of camaraderie or collegiality that was missing. Um, you know, for me, a lot of it was like talking over the phone or texting um, because there just wasn't that, you know, you weren't running into them in the hallways anymore. Right. Um, and so kind of maintaining those you know, finding other ways to maintain those relationships is was super important. And, you know, fortunately, we have better kind of connectivity these days, right? So we're able to, I don't, you know, it doesn't substitute for, you know, physically being with somebody, but um, I'm glad that we had those types of resources to, to stay connected. Yeah, isn't that funny? Like pre-COVID, like personally, like as a dad of teenagers, I fought the all the socialness of the phone and all of that. And now like, now that's all they have, you know, thank goodness it's, it's playing a role. Um, And I've definitely talked with people over the phone way more than I have. You know, I'm, you know, it's like, why are you calling me before all this? It's like, who calls people anymore? It's like, just send me a text. But now it's like, oh yeah, let's talk over the phone. Yeah. It's funny. Some, some of the, um, younger people I work with will email me or text me and I'll respond saying, call me. And they never do. You know what I mean? Like they don't, I don't think they know how to do it. Like, yeah. Um, so cool. So what, what are you most looking forward to now that your residency is over? You're into practice. Um, are, is San Diego where you wanted to be? Yeah. So, um, like, you know, I went, I went to school down there. I'm in North County now, so it's a little different. Um, but that area is, it's really beautiful. And, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, living very fortunate, close enough to uh, walk to the, to the beach to surf. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, the challenges of the next couple of years of building my, you know, my practice and my patient panel. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, struggles that go with that. Um, but it's, going to be a kind of a rewarding, you know, payoff in the years down the line, you know, building those relationships with folks and and being able to, you know, have that ability to care for them when they're, you know, vulnerable and when they need it is a, you know, extremely rewarding thing. And um, so, you know, that, that's, you know, professionally kind of, kind of what I'm, what I'm looking forward to and um, you know, just helping my, my team around me, you know, look at problems. I, you know, I like to look at quality improvement type stuff and all that. So, um, you know, all of those types of challenges, I, I think, are um, exciting and hopefully can kind of bring a fresh perspective coming out of residency and things like that. So, um, but you know, personally, it's different, but it's it feels like there's less work now uh, in some ways after like, residency. You know, you mean? Yeah. In, okay. Yeah. Compared to residency, okay. like. You know, I pass boards. I don't have that type of stress. And, right. um, you know, I, I'm not going all over like residency, you know, you're going to the orthopedics department one day, and then you're in the emergency department, then you're in the OB yeah. department. So, you know, I, I, I'm kind of just in my clinic, which I like. Um, but, um, you know, and, and it gives you maybe a little bit more time to do to the things that you kind of like to do. So, you know, running and surfing and, um, you know, cycling, all that kind of stuff for me. So, Oh, that's great. Um, 
Yeah. You know, so once again, congratulations for, for making it through. And, um, I think that's so cool that you're kind of back in San Diego where you went to college and obviously a beautiful part of Southern California. Um, you know, what's the commercial say like 70 and sunny, like San Diego. Um, so I think we're, you know, up here in the LA area, we're always jealous of, of our friends in Hawaii and our friends in San Diego, like all the the Kaiser Permanente folks. So, um, so very cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for all your insight into the residency program. And, um, you know, hopefully those folks that are in medical school now and maybe going into residency can pick up some tips and uh, appreciate all your efforts on wellness uh, that you're trying to take to some of your patients. I think those are the all the things that we can hope for in a physician. And um, anything else you want to add before we wrap up here? Um, yeah, you know, I'll, 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 I want to add, so somebody told me when I started medical school, you know, I asked for advice and, um, they, I said, you know, what's the best thing I can, can take into here. And, um, I I forget who it was. I think he was an orthopedic surgeon or something, but, uh, said, uh, show up and do as you're told. And uh, (laughs) I'm always kind of like that. I feel like it's a little bit of a bare minimum thing, but I think the the spirit of it is that you have to show up to to do anything. So you know that's half the battle. And so um, that was always something that I kind of reminded myself of uh, in medical school: just show up and do as you're told, and you'll you'll figure it out. So no, that's yeah. great. And you know, I always um, I, I'm not a not a physician, but I always appreciate the physicians that have gone through, you know, to our point that we talked about earlier, what they go through to get to, like you said, to get to your practicing in the clinic. Um, Mm. they have, they, they've earned that right to tell you that, you know what I mean? And, um, and I think, you know, to your point, yeah, you do need to listen, um, because it's not an easy road. And and if you do it right, those people are going to help you, you know, that's, that's the, the beauty of the journey. So, um, so great advice. So, Hey, I'm sure you're probably looking out your window at the waves, right? And uh, getting ready to go out. So I I appreciate your time. You know, we're doing this on a Saturday. So that was really cool of of Dr. Eller to join us. And uh, let's let's do this again after you've, you know, you've been practicing for a while. Let's check back in, see how everything's going down there. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks for uh, letting me talk and kind of share a little bit about myself. I appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks again. We will catch up with you soon. Take care. Thanks.